everyone, and welcome back to the Rural Perspectives podcast. I'm Adam Albrick, and it is the holiday season. With that comes a lot of tasty food, of course, but odds are good that among that tasty food is cranberries. That's what we'll be learning about here today. And to tell us all about cranberries is Mary Brasso Brown of Glacial Lake Cranberries and Honestly Cranberry. Welcome to the program, Mary. Thanks, Adam. It's great to be here, and it is a great time of year, and people definitely have cranberries on their mind. I think to get us started here, it makes more sense for our listeners to learn just a little bit about you and your operation. If you'd be so kind, could you just tell us about uh, what your farm looks like and and what you do? Yes, I am a um, third-generation cranberry grower. Um, We have a farm, Glacial Lake Cranberries, right in the middle of the state. We're on the northern shore of what used to be old Glacial Lake Our farm was actually started in 1873, so this past harvest we completed our our 147th consecutive commercial cranberry harvest on virtually the same footprint. It's a great story. Um, The area where we are is the town of Cranmore. Um, It's got 14 marshes in it in the township. Most of them are over 100 years old, so we've been doing this for quite some time. In addition to that, my other company is Honestly Cranberry, and that's where, because I grow cranberries, I started another company that just dries cranberries with nothing added. So it's just a clean ingredient cranberry that's um, available year-round and is shelf-stable. Now, there's a perception out there among some people that when they do hear cranberries, they often think about Massachusetts. But actually, it's Wisconsin that produces 60% of all cranberries grown within the U.S. What makes this state such a good spot for growing cranberries? Well, as I mentioned before, we are um, our particular marsh is on the northern shore of Old Glacial Lake, Wisconsin, and they were actually found growing wild here. And actually, in most areas where cranberries are cultivated, they were found growing wild, and people started cultivating them. You know, it is a North American native fruit, and a lot of times people, um, there's only three fruits that were native only to North America, and cranberries were one of them. And that just says that people from um, Europe who were coming here, they had never seen cranberry before. And of course, you know, you said Massachusetts. Well, Massachusetts is a large grower, and but because of urban encroachment out there, and it's the growing area so close to Boston, the land values are worth more for development than they are for cranberries. So in over 20 years ago, Wisconsin surpassed Massachusetts in, in, in production. But as you said, most of the cranberries, over 60% are grown in, of the world's crop is grown in Wisconsin. So it's quite an economic importance uh, to the state. What type of growing conditions are really needed to successfully raise this fruit? Well, the the areas, um, lots of sand and lots of water available, acid conditions, um, and that's pretty much the natural natural conditions that they were found under. So Wisconsin is fortunate to have, and especially in the Glacial Lake region, which takes up pretty much the center, central part of Wisconsin. So the largest area is the town of Cranmore, Warren's Toma area are the main producing areas, but they're also produced up in northern Wisconsin, Manitowish Waters area, Eagle River, Spooner, so all all over the place. But they were, you know, like I said, they found native to this to this state, so we're fortunate. Obviously, Wisconsin is a cold winter state. Do cranberries need to be replanted or reseeded each year? 
Well, cranberries are perennial and um, they're, they're a low growing vine and most of the, I mean, we have some cranberries that are still um, in production and they're over 60 years old. But when you plant cranberries, uh, they don't come true from seeds. So you have to plant cuttings and then it takes about three to five years to bring them into production. The bud for next year is in the tip of the vine this year. So at the same time that the plant was producing berries that we harvested this fall, it was also producing the bud for next year. And that's in the tip of the vine. And so um, the, currently the vines are dormant and that bud is in the tip of the vine. But as, as winter, the days get colder and we will eventually flood the beds up, bring water up to completely flood the, the vines, encase that bud in ice. So it's mainly protected from the winter winds. The vines are fairly tolerant of cold, but it's the drying winds that could affect that bud for next year. When someone mentions cranberries, the image that people commonly get is of red berries floating on a flooded bog. Could you just walk us through the annual growth cycle? It's a year-round process, of course, because it's a perennial. And the, right now we're starting at the, at the dormant after the harvest. Then we'll flood them for winter. During the winter time, about every three to four years to a cranberry bed, and a bed is an area surrounded by a dike and a ditch, about every three to four years to a bed, we will spread about an inch of sand on the ice so in the spring when the ice melts the sand filters down through the vines anchors the vine stimulates new root growth and new upright growth so it's a rejuvenation process so then in so in the spring after the ice melts and these vines start to grow in it all weather dependent of course but in april say that bud will start to shoot up and by the end of May, you're starting to see fruit pods. And first part of June, you get some blossoms. Through June blossoms, we bring in bees for pollination. The fruit set happens in first part of July. The fruit develops during July, August. It's green, little green fruit. And then they start to color up in August and September. And we end up harvesting end of September through um, October. And then here we are in a dormant state again, and the cycle cycle continues. Now, some cranberry farmers harvest before the berries actually turn red, correct? Some do. There are some um, buyers or processors who um, make a white juice. Um, I do have some winemakers who in like making a white cranberry wine. It does taste different. There's a there's a Cranberries are all about degree of tartness and, and the sugars in the cranberries develop as they color up, the sugars also develop too. So it's what the buyer prefers, whether it's your wine buyer or whether it's a processor for um, white juice. Thinking about the equipment that is needed to really harvest these berries, what do you use and how do you prevent such heavy machinery from really smushing the berries? Well. Cranberries have little air pockets in them, first of all. There's like four little air pockets in them. I call them my lucky fruit because actually when you slice a cranberry and look at it, it kind of looks like a four-leaf clover. But because of those air pockets, the fruit also will float. So when we put the water on for harvest, the, the berries that are on these upright vines, they're on short stems on those vines, and then the, 
they float up to the top and we take a, a machine, we call it a, a bentine harrower, and we'll rake the berries off. And because they're floating, when you knock them off or rake them off, they'll pop up to the surface of the water. And then the machines that we're driving through have, have tracks on them. They just gently roll over the vines, but the berries have already popped up and they're floating and then the tracks just kind of push the berries aside. So we don't damage the vines and we don't damage the fruit either. It's a very efficient and gentle way of harvesting the fruit. Could you give us an idea or ballpark what might constitute a small cranberry farm, a medium-sized operation, or a large operation? Well, there is quite a quite the variety. I think, you know, the average, and I should probably have looked this up, average size marsh is probably 150 acres or so. You know, you have some marshes that are, you know, 20 to 30 acres, and you have some marshes that are over 1,000 acres. So it varies. There are about, you know, 250 growers in the state, and that, you know, ranges, like I said, there can be, there's smaller growers, and then there's some very large growers. Now, your property is over 100 years old, and you mentioned that you have some older vines. What is the average lifespan of a vine? Boy, the average lifespan for a vine. You know, when I look at what some of the <laughs> some of the cranberry beds we have out there in the vines and think that, you know, they've been producing since 1939, um, you know, how long will they go on? I think, you know, they can go on as long as you take care of them. Um, what the averages you know i i really don't know that there is an uh, is an average because because it's a perennial and you can keep sanding and you know keep your beds up that they, they can produce for a long period of time i don't know that i'll live long enough to give you that answer but <laughs> <laughs> how many varieties of cranberries exist well, there are a lot of varieties. I mean, if people look in the store and they often think a cranberry is a cranberry, but um, I also remember back when an apple was an apple and all of a sudden there's all these varieties and colors. And and cranberries, there are a lot of varieties in, um, also, and they're different shapes and different degrees of tartness. And um, some have more pectin than others. Some make better jelly. And um you know, on our farm, we actually have about 12 different varieties, and I'm a firm believer in diversity at any number of levels, and, and varieties is one of those levels. Um, I think that there's um, processors, certain processors will prefer certain varieties. In the case of Honestly Cranberry, I prefer a variety that has higher pectin because it pr produces a better mouth feel. So, and I think as, as time goes on more and as the industry develops a little bit more and in, in, in their offerings, I think that people will fine tune into different varieties and their special uses or, or preferences. You know, I, I may live long enough to see that too, but... <laughs> Well, let's hope so. Does the age of the vine impact the flavor profile at all? I, I don't think the age of the vine affects the flavor profile so much as, you know, its production. Um, but flavor profile can be, is dependent on um, sunlight because it's all about sugars being, being created. I think it depends on the soil, how acidic your soil is. So sunshine, sunshine, sunshine. Absolutely. Thinking about a cranberry harvest, how many people does it take to successfully harvest all of your fruit? 
Well, come harvest time, I mean, we have on our on our farm, particular farm, we have about 340 acres of cranberries, and we have four guys that families that live on the property year round, and then we have a couple of two or three full-time hourly people. And so during harvest, we'll hire an additional, say, 15 people. We have our own receiving station, so that that takes another eight people to run it in addition to additional people for the harvest crew out in the field. Now, within other agricultural commodities, uh, we've really heard that it's becoming more and more difficult for farmers and ranchers to find help. Have you had any issues finding good help on your farm? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, this is a changing world, Adam, and and farmers have a wonderful work ethic. I mean, that's what it, their, their life depends on, on their work, and they have a great appreciation for that. I think that in this day and age, we need to start cultivating a little more um, work ethic. It's not something, I mean, it, you do plant it in a way, um, but you also have to cultivate and, and, and teach people the value of it. And yes, we have a difficult time finding people who want to work. And that's a sad commentary on the on the, I think on the state of our state of our state and union here but you know at some point that's going to have to have to change um, we can automate as much as we can but you still need good good help good good labor so we've been fortunate we've we've found people a lot of it um, we hire migrant people this the last two years we've had to do that because it's it's very difficult to find people who who just want to work and um, it's a beautiful time of year it's a great to be outside and to be able to um, just harvest harvest your food is can be very very rewarding and um, and gives you a greater appreciation for where your food comes from and how lucky we really are so hopefully we can cultivate that in, in um, our people around here for future work. Thinking about more so the end product, uh, what types of products do these berries get turned into? Well, I mean, cranberries go into anything from um, juice to, I mean, you can buy them fresh, you can buy them in diff- many, many different juices. Actually, uh, the cranberry juice, like cran apple juice, was the first uh, blended juice drink ever made and that was in 1963 but there are many many blends of juices now there's um different even flavors of sweet and dry cranberries and you know a lot of people are realizing more and more the health benefit of cranberries there's nutraceuticals people cranberry powders you know and then of course there's companies like honestly cranberry who we're just drying cranberries just for a dried cranberry and its health benefit so and I think, you know, if if COVID has done anything for the cranberry industry, it it, it really has um, made people more aware of of good, healthy eating and food and, and how we can be healthier. And so I know we've seen a big uptick in, you know, our sales uh, for just a clean cranberry product because that's where the true health benefit is. What is the shelf life for an unprocessed berry? Of unprocessed, well, our, our, you're talking about honestly cranberry? It's dried, so it's processed. I mean, you have to say that. But the shelf life is, um, 
you know, they, they don't go bad. I mean, it's, it's a very shelf stable because part of the reason, um, because we don't add any sugar or oils or anything and cranberries are naturally acidic. Of course we heart the tart. Um, but, uh, so the, they're very shelf stable because of their natural, just their natural acid state. Now, you were talking a little bit about the health benefits, and berries are often thought of as being a healthy food. What type of health benefits do cranberries provide consumers? Yeah, well, really, um, I mean, they're high in antioxidants. Red fruits are good for you. Um, but one thing about cranberries, it's the only fruit food, fruit, food known to have the ability to prevent bacteria from adhering to mucous tissues. And that's a huge thing. They call that a PAC-A linkage. And it's a proanthocyanidin, which is a pretty big word. But other fruits have proanthocyanidins, blueberries and grapes. and um, But the linkages, there's either an A linkage or a B. And, and, and cranberries are the only ones with the A linkage that prevent the bacteria from, and that's what adhering to tissues. And that's why it's, they're most commonly known for um, urinary tract issues, but they're also good for oral health or gut health. Um, I like to say in the front door, out the back, but it's a um, good for a lot of things. Um, stomach conditions in particular, um, they, a study just came out where it's positive effect on on um, H. pylori, which is, you know, a very common um, gut issue in, in a lot of um, India, China, U.S. also. But so if it can help that, that's, that's a good thing. What do markets currently look like for cranberries? Well, you know, I can, I'm not the expert on the world, world markets, so I apologize for that. But, you know, I think that like I said before, people are just much more aware of, you know, healthy eating and more and more people are cooking at home. And you know, I, I think they're, they're searching for things that, that can um, diversify their diet and, and create healthier, healthier beings. And, but, and I think that that's not just local. I think that that's worldwide. So I think the cranberries are going to become more and more popular as time goes on because people are going to realize the, the health value of them. Has this industry been caught up in the international tariff battles at all? You know, yes. Um, in the, yeah, because they were traded in every, every country, you know, so some were harder hit than others. But yes, they were. Now, there are crop insurance options, I would assume, available to cranberry producers. Are cranberries often included in federal farm policies? Right. We, you know, there is crop insurance available. Um, and, and, and I think most people have the basic, you know, cat coverage on that. Um, there are other, other kinds of insurances that are available. Um, multi-parole insurance, um, that sort of thing varies by, by marsh. I mean, you apply for it and, um, you know, pay for it individually. You know, we've also gotten um, other government subsidies, not regular, it, you know, it's not a regular event, but, you know, the, the government is definitely aware of what uh, the ups and downs of the cranberry industry, for sure. What would you say are the biggest challenges as the owner of Honestly Cranberry? 
My biggest challenge is with honestly cranberry, um, I think is what the first is just getting the word out. I mean, most people think that they have dried cranberries, but they really um, have sweet and dried cranberries. And, um, you know, sweet and dried cranberries are like up to 80% added sugar. And I'm just offering, I mean, there are a lot of people who like sugar and that's okay. Um, we're just offering an option. And for people who don't um, do added sugar or oils, and those are people, you know, whether it's diabetics, whether it's people on paleo or keto diets, um, or people who just genuinely don't like added sugars and like clean ingredients, that's, you know, that's what we're here for. What made you go from wanting to be just a grower to also adding the, uh, the processing aspect? Was is that the, the industry is fairly small. There's you know less than a thousand growers in the country. Um, Two hundred and fifty of those growers are in Wisconsin. There are even fewer buyers of cranberries, and I just really felt the need for first of all to get a cranberry out there that didn't have added sugar to it. I, I just I felt passionate about that. I don't grow sugar. Um, I grow cranberries and I wanted that to be out there. Um, I wanted other people to enjoy cranberries the way I enjoy cranberries. Doing nothing was not an option for me. The industry is um, fairly, I mean, it's small, it's fairly controlled. And, um, and I thought that there was a bigger, bigger mission here, bigger, bigger picture. And um, I just felt very strongly that I needed to, to get that out there. Now, with Honestly Cranberry, my biggest, you know, one of the biggest challenges is just educating people to the fact that, you know, I, we are out there, we do offer a clean ingredient cranberry. And um, it's, it's a matter of, of getting that word out. So um, I appreciate your letting me little, do a little spiel on that, Adam, <laughs> doing a little promo here. But because so many people think, oh yeah, I already have dried cranberries. And a lot of people think that they have unsweetened dried cranberries, but when they read the label, they've really been sweetened with apple juice, which, which is still sweetened cranberries. So I think that just the education piece is our biggest hurdle and to just let people know that we're that they can get a clean ingredient cranberry. What advice do you have for those who might be interested in growing cranberries? Well, it's not for the faint of heart. And you do, I say, if you're gonna be a farmer of any, any farm anything, you have to have faith and um, patience and um, realize in short order that you're not in control of a lot. So we do a lot of offering up of, <laughs> of time and effort. But I also would say that to accomplish anything, you know, you got to want it. In my world, if you have a cran-do attitude, uh, you can accomplish whatever you want to accomplish, set out to do. And um, But like I say, you got to want it, and it's all about the attitude. Is there anything that we maybe didn't talk about that you would still like to discuss here today? Um, let's see, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like everybody to consider, you know, a lot of times cranberries are most known over Thanksgiving. And I think of that, probably the most important part is, is that I'd like to see everybody be thankful and enjoy their cranberries all year long. You know, we are very blessed. And Mary, where can people go to find you and your products? 
Well, if people are interested in Honestly Cranberry, we, you can go to our website, honestlycranberry.com, and actually um, through the month of December, we're offering free shipping. Otherwise, we're on Amazon, we're on Vitacost, we're also in Whole Foods Midwest, so any Whole Foods store that's in the Midwest, and around this area in select grocery stores around the region, around Wisconsin. So, and we're always a phone, phone call away or an email away at uh, info at honestlycranberry.com. There's also uh, links on that site to our farm, Glacial Lake Cranberries, where, you know, people often ask me with the farm, what's, what's our biggest threat uh, to the industry? And I really believe it's ignorance. Um, but I think that's curable. And so we're always willing to share a farm experience with people and they can come and stay at the Stone Cottage, which was a little cottage that was um, built in 1936 on the property for the foreman at the time. And we now rent that out uh, and then give tours, to farm tours to the people who stay there. So if people are more interested in connecting with a farm and having that kind of experience of a cranberry farm, uh, they can um, stay at the Stone Cottage at Glacial Lake Cranberries, and that's all available on GlacialLakeCranberries.com. Well, Mary, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been absolutely fantastic having you on the program. Well, Adam, thank you for the opportunity, and um, wishing you and your listeners all the best in a special time of year to um, be thankful for we are blessed in this country for the food that our farmers grow and and for the opportunities that we have. That is Mary Brasso Brown of Glacial Lake Cranberries and Honestly Cranberry. That's going to do it for this episode of the Rural Perspectives podcast, which is a production of Egg Country Farm Credit Services. To get more great content, please visit www.eggcountry.com. 